Hello, universe, and person listening right now. It's V. Just want to let you know that we had to record this episode remotely, so we get some weird Zoom audio soundings at points. Did what I could to clean that up. And the episode's been edited, shortened the episode. I made it shorter, because Joe and I can talk forever. And yeah, we don't need them to be this too crazy long. And all the audio that's left over, I'll figure out something to do with it. All right, have fun. Enjoy the episode. Swerve. Okay, holla, 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 holla. Wait, Joe, have you ever watched Dave Chappelle? Yes, I have. Watch Chappelle's show. Catherine's gotten me into some of the uh, stand-up uh, Netflix specials, so that's my experience with Dave Chappelle thus far. Favorite comedian, I think he's great. He's great. He's just fucking hilarious. So good. He's funny. He does a really good job of uh, of taking like historical moments and the context and whatnot and relating them to today and just showing like the parallels and similarities and whatnot he does a really good job with that and i bring up dave Chappelle mostly because he on the Chappelle show they have the it might be season two they do an episode where black people get reparations and oh is the fun one of the funniest things just of all time like just beyond just so good there's like what is it one guy he buys an entire truck of uh i think it was like menthol cigarettes <laughs> no no way and then they, they cut to like a news channel where they're saying stock and cadillac and kfc and a couple other places are just like going through the roof and then a guy buys a baby straight cash Oh, it's just so good. I'm putting. I love how he actually had the guts to do that skit while, like, he is. That show was so and is still like ahead of its time. Like, it's still relevant today. Uh, That goes into today's episode on reparations, and I consciously practice saying that out loud because I'm still, for whatever reason, spelling it. I don't know. Like if I just type, I can do it. But the minute I think about spelling reparations, I cannot for the life of me. I, uh, I finally learned how to spell it. It took uh, some assistance from Google <laughs> um, to make this work, but I did learn how to spell it. So step one complete. I put it, uh, what's that? Grammar? <laughs> Like, am I using this right? Like, am I using this in the correct way? Like, this is important. (laughs) So, yeah, folks, 
We're talking about reparations. How much do you know about reparations, Joe? Not much. <laughs> Not much. I, um, this is going to say a lot about my knowledge when, um, the only thing I really read thoroughly about it was in the economist. <laughs> the, uh, they, it's not, they don't even do a recent article on there. Cause I think I saw their article in there as well. And it was like what, 2014 or something. Yeah, it's pretty old. They haven't written, they haven't talked about it for five years. They were like, cool. We checked that one off. We're done. Uh, uh, so <laughs> as a person of color, as someone who is, who got black in them, who is black, who's mixed black, I got all kinds of things in me. I'm a mutt, but I'm a black person when the person, people see me. The police, when they see me, they see black. So that's what, that's what goes down. I know a decent amount about the idea, concept of reparations. And I'm a firm believer that black folk, African-American, uh, if you're really old, Negro, or if you're really, really old, colored, people should get reparations. <laughs> I love how I can say Negro and colored and you can't. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to touch that one. Yep. <laughs> That's something. Uh, but not only also to amend that, not just people of color or just like black people specifically, I think Native Americans should also get reparations because I don't think they got like the the coolest deal after the whole, hey, we came up into your country and then we just slaughtered your people and gave you like illnesses and sickness and whatnot. And then we built a country on top of it and named you Indians. And yeah. And I don't think the whole like treaties and stuff that they've got are really working to their favor. No, not really. I mean, we over trying to build now. Wait, now we. Some folks over there trying to build pipelines and stuff on their land. It's like, damn, like this paper ain't worth shit. But I think it's fair to to group both together in this conversation. I, I, me too. I completely to me, like those are the two groups of people who suffered the most in this nation. Every playing like oppression Olympics, like we got to go medal, y'all. And Nations like built off of their backs, off their land and their backs. So I, I, I am all for us getting reparations. Now, the whole concept of reparations comes back after the Civil War. Always, <clears throat> excuse me, forget dude's name. It's a general, uh, General William T. Sherman. He issues this special field order. I think it's field order, order number 15. And that, like, apparently would give black folks 40 acres of land and black people would be able to be governed by their own people. So black people govern black people. So we would have possibly got Wakanda. Like, God damn it. It was so close. But that goes down. And all kind of other stuff happens. And what ends up going on is Andrew Johnson... I think that's the 17th president of the U.S. Uh, his mark as he sympathized he was like with the Confederate states, like, oh, you took their stuff. I can't believe this. And kills the order, just overturns it. So you have black people like, oh, my God, we free from slavery now. We free. We got land. We can make our own country or just kind of like 
states or whatever you want to call it and govern ourselves. And Andrew Johnson came in like, gotcha, bitch. Nope. And it's gone. And just here we go. You fast forward, say, what, 154 years, you go past the civil rights movement, uh, having the first black president, the first first lady, a Dave Chappelle episode about black people getting reparations uh where we just blow money on all kind of weird crazy stuff and then you get to current today where you got this orange buffoon who's a new york con man becoming the president and now we have 600 democrats running for the potential nominee uh suddenly talking about reparations so that's why i'm like hey if this is in the whole national conversation I'm down to talk about it, even though apparently it seems like people are are cool with the idea, but they're like, I mean, like, I'm cool with it, but I'm not saying do it. I think that's an important distinction to make. I think it's very easy for someone like me to say, let's do this, right, and agree with it, and then not actually talk about the practicality of doing it, the nuts and bolts, the next steps. Um, so in the liberal space, I'm I'm definitely you know, skeptical people who are too quick to be like, oh yeah, I totally believe in it because it's easy to kind of check off that box culturally. Um, but to actually say, all right, I'm, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to let someone else generate wealth is a whole different story. Like that, that requires a certain element of sacrifice that people need to be aware of. Um, taxpayer dollars that aren't going to their communities, they're going to somebody else. And that, um, that us versus them dichotomy, unfortunately, is so prevalent Inherent. It's inherent. It's the, the default political move of our president. So talking about reparations in this political environment is incredibly difficult because I could easily see it turning into an us versus them kind of dichotomy very rapidly. Yeah, I think that's just the. I see that as the last since Reagan's been president. No, I'm blaming all this craziness. It's like, oh, what is it? Neoliberalism's madness. I'm blaming it on Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher. And I'm only blaming it on them because I like randomly was going down the rabbit hole of like things associated with the whole concept of just like, like what you're saying, us versus them. And it's it's very interesting to see like after say the 60s and 70s, you had like the hippie movement and there was a lot of like Eastern cultural ideas like Buddhism and more like community based things and counterculture and F the man, stuff like that happening. It wasn't just about the individual. And there's this interview that Margaret Thatcher does and she's talking about this, like the, how the American economy and the British economy, how they like become stagnant just not good or whatnot. And he has his comments where she was saying that a lot of the like deregulation she was for and things like that. It wasn't necessarily about it's I'm paraphrasing, but she essentially says like the whole idea was to like change the human soul. Like I needed people like she wanted people to stop thinking about like community and everyone and go like, no, you need to think about you get yours because I feel like her and Reagan, they knew that when you spark that, that level of competition where like, I have to compete with you for the sense of like resources when really like you don't that like that created what I feel like what we have today. Like a lot of you just think of capitalism as we see it in the U S 
is very much competition is bad. It's not like competition is good. And it made me just how reparations, one, do I think you could solve anything like it or pass something like it? No, <laughs> like it is definitely a pipe dream of mine. I'm just like, man, this would be amazing if just got like a cool, yay, reparations is happening, are happening, or people will get some type of like money, something, some type of economic stimulus that would help create generational wealth. And I don't believe it's possible, no matter how much I want it to happen today, because of how much us versus them we have just you look at look at tech tech companies like they're the thing that gets beat up all the time right now but i think they're a prime example competition is supposed to be this thing that's championed and the thing we want in capitalism it's oh like everyone fighting to like create the most value and the best product for the consumer but instagram goes out they're amazing hit and then facebook goes here goes a billion bucks like shut up and come on like competition gone and that just keeps happening. And it made me think more and more like how, one, what would it look like for Black people and Native Americans to get reparations? And then just like, how in the hell is this even remotely possible? Because to almost end, to get close to ending my long-winded part is I don't think that, one, it better not be anything less than $300 billion. Like if it's less than three hundred billion, I'm pissed off. I'm writing a letter to whoever my representative is. I'm calling them and I'm gonna give them an earful. Like, yo, fam, you really think that Jim Crow South, slavery, lynchings, Emmett Till, Trayvon, and sixty other people I can't fully name. That's only worth three hundred bill, fam. Like you can't you can't throw another two hundred on top of that. Like, come on now. Like we we it's the U.S. baby. We love debt. Like, come on, we could get some more debt. Print some more. Money gets more per year, so that's a good measuring <laughs> stick. At least like a little bit more than what the Pentagon gets per year. That should be your line in the sand, V. Like, yo, defense budget. Match me on that. Like, just boom, boom. Just there you go. Year. Just for one year. That's reasonable, right? So, <laughs> and I also, what is there? Marianne Williamson. I actually do not know what she does outside of being an author. I believe she does like books that help yourself or self-help. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, she, she had an interview. Uh, it was like on the breakfast club, I 97, one of those radio stations in New York. And her like, idea was it was a plan for reparations in the amount between 200 billion and 500 billion. And I'm like, so already I saw 200 billion and 500 billion. Like, so let's just throw that 200 part out and just start with 500. And the idea is that there would be like a council of esteemed black folk, which is like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, you got to have like Oprah, Beyonce, Barack and Michelle. Like, okay, like, I don't know what like the criteria would be for that. And it would focus on like education. And there's another thing I don't remember fully. she did have an interesting quote that stuck with me when someone asked, like, why reparations or whatnot? And she says, if you kick somebody to the ground, you owe it to them to do more than stop kicking. You owe it to them to say, here, let me help you get back up. And to me, that was 
that's been one of the best ways to like frame it. She's like, hey, this is we know what's been done and what happens to people of color in this country. Just in the world. Like we know. And the fact that I ref well, I refuse to believe when anyone's like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, come on now. Like there's just no way you didn't hear about the latest shooting or whatever wild thing that happened. So I love that quote because it goes to it. But how the hell do you think that shit done? Like, I just I have like no clues. Like, how do we remotely get this done? I agree. I wouldn't want it to be like a Chappelle episode. Don't give people money. Don't just like straight up, like, hey, here goes a direct deposit. Uh, who was that? W. Bush with his $500 stimulus that he did. <laughs> yeah, like 500 bucks, like $750. One of those two. All I know is I remember I went straight and bought an iPhone. Like, yep. Uh, I guess I did do what the intended purpose was for it, but there was nothing that was like, oh, maybe you should like put this in a savings account, get some interest or a CD, like nothing like that was even remotely in my brain. And that's why I, I would not want there to be like straight, here goes cold, hard cash. There you go. Because I see that being horrible. Yeah, not only would it be the wrong approach, but at the same time, it just wouldn't get passed in this political environment. Um, you brought up Margaret Thatcher and was not expecting to talk a lot about her during a discussion on reparations. But, you know, one other element of what she did that I actually personally connect to is this element of like this citizen capitalism, this idea that if you extend access to capital to all sorts of communities, and make stock ownership commonplace or make ownership in a company or entrepreneurship possible and accessible to everyone, you ultimately have a better society. And if you take that, that concept and you apply it to operations, there's a lot of ways to make this incredibly effective. Like if you're a real capitalist, um, it should terrify you that, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this in the past on another recording between us that, the next possible Steve Jobs died in Compton or got shot in Chicago. Like that should terrify anybody realizing that there are incredibly intelligent people who aren't given a chance to rise up and succeed, who are dealt the, the worst hand possible and don't rise up. And if the best ideas aren't rising up, then what's the point of capitalism? Yeah, I, I don't, I do not for the life of me understand that. Like, yo, if you are about getting money, if you want your bread, you want as many people as possible doing, creating stimulus, creating jobs and things like that. Like there was a stat that it's like over half of the jobs created in the country are made by small businesses. So like, so why would you not want more people to be creating small business or businesses to, there you go. Like it helps everything. Like I don't see how this does not work. And then I remember, like, oh, yeah, because it's not, they don't look like you. <laughs> like, they, don't look like you. they don't think like you, they don't walk like you, talk like you, believe what you believe. So that's where it comes down to still, to where I just don't know what in the holy heaven needs to change or shift so drastically to get that, get past things like this. Like, I, I believe racism will always exist. I just, there's always going to just be someone who's like, oh, I don't like that person because blah, 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 blah. 
because it it does you're taught a certain thing you're taught a certain way and then when you go and you interact with that thing that you're told to be better than and that thing is better than you at whatever the task is yeah it, it destroys your world because you're like wait i've been taught this way this entire time so what does that mean for me what does that mean for me like am i not good am i like am i less than this thing because we annoyingly look at thing look at things in these like all or nothing manners to like success for an example if someone's a billionaire we're like oh they're super successful but that person might be feeling like horrible might hate themselves and all kind of other things and might not feel that way and we have our own version of that and it's tied to money it's tied to money like a lot of it's how you look and that that's been like the most interesting thing thinking of just reparation it's like okay i need say it does somehow get passed what i would love for there to be is that if you are black if you are native american for there to be maybe like a governing body maybe what is it the uh cf the the uh, thing elizabeth warren started and then now is useless oh, like the consumer um protection bureau or something like that like isn't it a consumer yeah like the idea behind that is like genius is great of course it got gutted and whatnot recently but yep. something like that maybe even even that to where it's like you handle like helping give out loans like zero percent zero percent interest loans to people like black and native american people who are like working to start a business uh i think we give care until that becomes like a thing all around uh we shouldn't be paying for college or like any schooling like your kid can like go to kindergarten grade school elementary middle school all that like it's free it's covered and i think that's the only way to actually make the shifts needed for black people for native americans because that knowledge is very very useful when i look at just the high school the high school that i went to was a really amazing like private high school and I remember being a freshman in high school and when I would come back to Compton and hang out with the homies, some of my friends and whatnot, and ask them like some of the work they would be doing, it would blow my mind how far behind they were. Like it just made no sense to me. Like, wait, y'all not reading this? Or you're not doing this yet? Like, oh, like I'm taking calculus or something right now. And they're like, huh? Like, wait, what the hell? So it makes me even just think of that. They just I was fortunate enough to have that type of access and be given the opportunity to be there to what it did for me, to where it helped me at least gain a little bit more knowledge or than someone else from my neighborhood, from my block on finances, on like just either understanding like what a savings account was or like interest, stuff like that. Like even though you don't particularly like learn finances in school, like I still would was fortunate enough to be around folks who had parents that were bankers or whatnot. So like through osmosis, I picked up some things and that's the thing that I would love reparations to be able to help at, at mass scale. Yeah. I think the only way to really tackle this is acknowledging international, I should say uh, intergenerational wealth. I mean, that is the big problem here. Somebody like me or somebody um, who, who is white is much more likely to have some source 
of generational wealth that helps propel them um, when they already have advantages. Um, like that is a classic issue and it's going to only compound. It's going to get worse and worse after our generation. It's already a problem. Oh yeah. And when you look at white wealth trends compared to say African Americans or Native Americans, it's it's astonishing the difference in, in generational wealth. Yeah. And for me, um, this issue hits close to home because uh, my my sister, her and I are really close. But technically, she's my half sister. She's half Native American. Um. Which is kind of you know it's I don't I think we've talked about this a little bit V but it's kind of a side thing where um, my my sister has six kids and the Native American community is really well organized right like my my sister gets a check from you know uh, the tribal casino once a year Uh, they're very well they basically created their own welfare infrastructures um, in order to help sponsor kids to go to college in order to get you know, any kind of assistance people will need because they know they're smart enough, obviously, given our track record as the federal government to not rely on the U.S. government. So when my nieces and, and nephew, you know, go to college, they, my, one of my nieces had to go through a pretty strict process to prove her ancestry because she looks a lot like me. It's very confusing. Um, so they were like, yeah, let, let's test this. And naturally they have to do that because there's a lot of money on the line. They made her um, totally agree and me it. Bro, what's that? Better do 23 and me. Yeah, right. <laughs> they wanted to make sure none of them were Elizabeth Warren, you know? Um, <laughs> thankfully, everyone just crushed Warren's numbers. You know, they're 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 much higher than what was her her rate? I forget what it was. But anyway, side tangent. I don't want to get too into that one. Yeah. Um, but definitely had higher numbers than Warren. And uh, you know, we're able to get the scholarships um and applied to them, and it was quite a bit of money. Um and it was, it's really interesting to get a, a peek into that world, you know, because someone like me normally, you know, from Indiana, pretty standard white guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, v, I should say, I think you can confirm that one. But uh, as far as looks, like, yeah, be like, oh, what, what do Indiana Steel, real Steel Joe look like? Like, think of a white dude. And I'd be like, oh, they'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. But, <laughs> but, and what I will say, and I definitely like love about you is your level like empathy and also just like understanding or just openness, like the willingness to understand a different perspective. If more white people who look like you had that, man, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Like I would be just reparations wouldn't even be a thing. Like it wouldn't even be a concept because there isn't that that like oh us versus them thing like the fact that you and me are like right now sitting down talking and whatnot like that's a big amount of proof to even be open enough to go like oh yeah i'm down to talk about the most of the like random what people say like politically like incorrect things to talk about or whatnot because it's not a oh i gotta like change joe's mind or joe has to change v's mind like nah we can not agree on this and i can still love you as a person hang out with you talk to you and i just know like hey on these topics we just don't agree on and it's like oh wow look at no one's dying no one's being mean to each other and so that that's that's the thing that i can definitely that i definitely definitely appreciate 
Well, I, I appreciate the same willingness. Like when I came up to you at work and said, Hey, let's talk about this. You know, you were, you were really open about it. And, uh, you know, right now my, uh, my girlfriend sitting next to me kind of waiting for me to make a mistake. Uh, I could feel her. I could feel her turn every time I start to speak. Like, hmm, how's he? Gonna, what's he gonna say? Um, and, so they don't know I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, this is a small price to pay. This is one of the few times that I feel uncomfortable being white. It's a very rare statement, right? But see, that tells um, you something. This is something I want to ask. Why? Why do you feel uncomfortable? Because I don't this is I don't know if it's a matter of me because I know you and I consider you a friend. I, I, I haven't been able to pinpoint this because someone who listens, they asked me this because they said it pretty blatantly. Like, hey, I know you like man V, I know you just be talking to people and you know you know a bunch of people, but like, yo, like what make it why did I want to make sure I say it how they said it? What make it cool that like you want to talk to the homie Joe about this weird stuff. And I'm like, wait, this isn't weird. He's like, no, nah, it's only weird because like he white and he okay talking about it. And I'm like, I don't think he's okay talking about it in the sense of he's like, oh yeah, let's just talk about these things. It's just that like, and I was just assuming this and I was like, love for you to say it. It's just, instead of you running from it and going like, oh no, this is not a thing. Cause like Joe said, everyone, he came up to me, like we're in the kitchen. He's like, hey, like we're talking about reparations and rain. I was laughing so hard. Like what? Like, nah, he's joking right now. Like he is not serious. Like there's no way. And then when I looked at you, like, oh wait, like you're serious right now. Like, okay. Yeah. Like I'm down. I'm always down to talk about something like that. And it, to me, the only thing I, I was able to tell my friend was you're, you're comfortable with who you are. And there's, I get from you, there's a sense and an understanding that you don't know everything and that there's, there are experiences that you don't know. But the thing that's the most interesting to me is because someone else said this who I like told, like, oh, I'm about to talk about reparations. They're like, ooh, I wouldn't want to talk about that. That'll make me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, why though? Like, like I, and that's what I would love to understand. Yeah, I wanted to bring it up because I feel like, you know, for me, this is an important thing for folks with my background to go through. We're not used to being uncomfortable. You know, you and I were just doing small talk before we hit record and we were talking about our experiences driving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, very different worlds. Um, you know, I'm a white guy and literally a white car. And it's a very, <laughs> very different experience. Um, and just wanting to acknowledge and I, I don't want this to turn into like let's say nice things about joe when when this is a, an intense topic and you know for me ultimately i think folks with my background need to again show more empathy and more openness to having these kind of conversations because it's so critical and what we're doing right now is very rare in this current political environment and Maybe it was an experience with my my sister and seeing that world and getting a picture into that world, while albeit very small, but something. Or, um, and I'm really interested, like with your friend's reaction, because yeah, I, I think it's important for someone with my background to make themselves feel a little bit uncomfortable for a hot second to understand what it's like for you every time you get into a car as a daily occurrence to the point that you don't even think about it anymore um, as being uncomfortable. It's just living. And I think that understanding is absolutely critical. Now, will I say that 
when I say I'm uncomfortable, am I going to apologize for being white? No, 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 no. This I'm is glad. kind of controversial. And, and if you no. take it out of context, it sounds bad, but I'm proud of being white in my background. And I know right now that line gets um, <laughs> twisted by certain groups of people, but I will say sorry for that. And I think that's important to state. Like, I, I feel like um, there's a lot of folks um, who kind of feel like they need to apologize and uh, the white guilt complex. I want to have empathy, but I don't want to bullshit you when I say I'm sorry. Yes. Cause it's easy to, like fake that. I feel sorry for something that happened 200 years ago. Yeah, I'm like, you You didn't whip anybody with a, like, I didn't see you do it. Like, I don't know what you're doing. You spare time all the time, Joe, but like, no, no. <laughs> That's the thing to me that, okay, I think that there's two things with that. There's one, every, I think everyone should be proud of who they are, where they're from, all that. Like, I will proudly say I am from Compton, also known as Bompton, California. Like, there is nothing that will make me not say that with pride. Like, if wherever I am, if you ask me where I'm from, I'm going to tell you that. And I'm going to look at you like, yeah, I'm from there. I know the connotation that that place has, but we got a Pulitzer Prize winner trick. Like, shout out to Kendrick. Like, aha now what like where are you from do you have one of those but not even doing that it's it's a thing to where now when it comes to you saying like you're proud to be white i'm like what the hell is wrong with that like hell yeah i would be too and there's an interesting thing with especially today and i feel like i see it more on the like left leaning side it's like the social justice warriors it's where it's like no matter what you do somebody's coming after you and it hits a point to where it's like yo do you even know what you want to be mad at like i get that there is <laughs> stuff to be mad at today and with social media like it's more in your face or it's more easily accessible to find but it hits a point it's like do you even know what you're actually mad at like can you even tell me really because if someone were to hear this and be like oh i can't believe you said that I'm like and why is this a problem again like, what did he do to not be able to say that? Like, not all white people are bad, just the same way as not all black people are thugs or what Hillary used to call us, uh, super predators or something like that. Like, <laughs> no, we're not all like that. And that's the thing that definitely, for me, drives me insane. It makes me go mental to where I'll hear someone say something and they're like, oh, yo, that's racist. Like, he said he liked Red Vines over Twizzlers. Like, breathe. Like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to have differing opinions and to also just take someone at face value and then let them show you if they're actually about what they say. Now, I get that there's a lot of baggage that comes along with a lot of it, but I just don't think people hear each other anymore. Because Bernie at one of his, like, rallies or gatherings, whatever he's doing, they're called lately, uh, someone, a black woman, asked Bernie, she like tried to get him on camera, like, hey, what do you think about reparations? And he just doesn't answer and he keeps walking. And immediately online, like, oh, he ignored her. I can't believe it. Like, that means he doesn't want him or whatnot. And in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, here goes a person, a man running for president. He knows that this isn't probably like the best thing to like really come out for right now. He might not even fully have a plan. He like he's like yo, I'm trying to get healthcare for everybody. <laughs> like, I'm not really on this right now. 
and in my mind, I still thought to myself, what's wrong with that? Like nothing, nothing. He has his priorities and that's that. And the fact that you have people like, oh, that means he doesn't like black people. Like, damn it. I don't like black people sometimes because y'all just getting on my damn nerves. But it doesn't mean I don't love y'all all the, every other time. Like, And that's the thing that with this has made it very, very interesting. The high, whole idea of reparations to where it touches these like interesting, like soft tissue spots for people where you have people who are like vehement i had one person just like straight up say like oh that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard and i was like damn well uh thanks <laughs> like i appreciate the honesty but okay cool i'm just gonna go over here uh, i think the last thing i'll ask how do you think okay if you were going to get it done you're running the country how would you get it done joe's president how do you get reparations done you have to frame it as a rise of the rest. If it's us versus them, you're done. Um, you have to pair it with some other national urgency or emergency of some sort. Um, so if I were to brainstorm, maybe like some kind of stimulus package geared around like climate change. I don't really believe in the Green New Deal and its current iteration. I think it needs a lot of tweaks, but I can't help but think if there's this urgency to, you know, decades from now, because I'm assuming this can't be done today. It can't be done in the next five years. This might be something that, you know, we need millennials to really be in office for this to become a serious issue. You can't rely on Bernie. I agree with that. Uh, I, agree, I agree with that. I definitely. You're going to have to wait till a generational shift in power. Uh, and by then, I would assume a lot of us believe in <laughs> climate change, but you never know these days. Um, I would, I would frankly leverage that and, and take it out in one fall swoop. You need to, you need to do massive investments in the economy to retool the economy and rebuild it in many ways to be focused on, on green energy. And that would be an excellent opportunity, um, to reinvest in communities that have been left behind already. Um, that would be my approach on uh, really embracing those elements of like citizen capitalism that we talked about with Margaret Thatcher and ultimately, starting to leverage, in my opinion, not one federal program, because if it's one big federal program, that makes it easy to, to wipe out later. Yeah, yeah. I think the best thing we could do, the, the, the best move possible is literally to leverage states' rights Dude. to get through. That would be the best plot twist, the best troll you could possibly pull. I would personally, I would cry. I would cry. I would go, I would just, I would weep. I would have a deep like that ugly cry that like you just because yeah i don't know why people who are liberal who are progressive or whatnot i don't get why like people identify as democrats why they always shoot themselves in the foot like i'm just it just blows my mind to think why not just take the playbook of the other guys like I get the morality like morality is a thing that I definitely think that should somehow get injected back into everyday decisions. But there's just something about you look at like the Tea Party. What was it? the Like the Freedom Caucus, how they Obama's presidency was a living hell because he had one side who was just like nonstop trying to block and destroy anything he did. And they were pretty effective at it. And I look at today and I go, OK. What's what was wrong with their playbook? Like in the sense of if okay, it's about winning and getting things done. If you get the house, the senate, and you can fill courts with more progressive judges and 
uh, prosecutors and things like that. Like, what's the issue again? Because if you believe this is for the good of the country, like, I don't get why we're why there's always this like weird. Oh, but we can't do it. They did it that way. But it's like and it works like it works. Yeah, I'm not saying like we need to like create maybe we might need like a more left leaning political machine like Fox, but like maybe MSNBC just needs to go like all in. Just like, you know what? We're just going with it now. But I do, I would like to limit a lot of the polarization that we have, but I just don't, I agree with you. I don't understand how it would get passed really outside of just like, yo, state by state, California, we're always out here leading. So just going like, you know what? We're the fifth largest economy in the world. Sometimes we make it all the way up to the third largest economy in the world. This is what we're going to do. Like, we're going to put this amount for Black people and Native Americans. If you're a California resident and you're Black and a Native American, we got you. And and then maybe do some stuff where you work with other, like, state governors and mayors and stuff like that. And that on a national level. Yeah, that way you can learn lessons. I mean, this is a massive, massive project. Um, you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot of things that don't work, things that do work, and I'd rather do that in an environment that's open to that kind of experimentation, like in California, than if I were to try to to do it nationwide all at once, fighting all. I mean, the second you do this, the moment every single Republican AG, like attorneys general, just starts filing suits left and right to start poking holes in this. Like on a federal level, you're too exposed. Whereas if you start on a state by state basis, you can experiment. You can start in a place where you know you're safe. You're not going to get legal challenges all over the place. The state AG is going to be on your side in California. You learn how it works. You iron out the kinks. You expand it until you get all 50 states. And it's going to take a long time, and it won't be like one big, you know, frontline news page and yeah. the New York Times or something like that. It'll be slow and frankly kind of boring, um, but it'll work. At Warren least in my view, it would work. Warren Buffett taught me the most boring things in life financially seemingly are the greatest decisions you can make like and it i agree it's just like that that what is it fundamental just sticking to the fundamental like yo this is how the constitution was written you you always people on the right are talking about states rights okay cool let's use them and yeah i, I think that's the best way to go so we figured it out, y'all. We figured out how we can reparations pass. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, it's just done. Like, we got this. Our top story, as we all know, Congress recently approved paying over a trillion dollars to African Americans as reparations for slavery. Well, today, the first checks were sent out. Thanks, Chuck. We're standing here in front of the Olympic liquor store in Queens, where scores of African Americans have been lined up for hours. We spoke to a few of them earlier. Get the money, y'all. There's poor people around. <laughs> your broke ass. Right, baby. I just bought this truck straight cash. Then I got enough cigarettes to last me and my family for the rest of our lives. I'm rich, bitch. These checks aren't just affecting things on Beach Street. Wall Street is having a big day as well. A lot of activity, as you can imagine, here on the market. These people are spending money like hotcakes. Get this. Sprint stock has skyrocketed after the news that two million delinquent phone bills have been paid just this morning. Incredible. Gold is way up. Diamonds are at their most expensive level ever. Catchphrase around here is certainly bling bling.